Amen. Morning, everybody. How are you? Good. I'm so glad we get to gather here like this. Even in snowstorms and things, man, I, I, I agree with Brad. I, I needed that worship time. And so um, it's great to be have you here with us. Uh, there is a phrase that we have coined over the last 10 years or so, I, I would say. And it's, it's a phrase used to describe frustrations and complaints that only privileged people living in wealthy countries can uh, experience. And the phrase is first world problems. Have you ever heard this phrase? You've heard this, right? You've used this phrase. So first world problems, to give you an example of a few of them, uh, they include bad cell phone coverage. That would be an example of a first world problem. Uh, Limited vacation time. That is a first world problem. Slow internet. As in Netflix paused for 15 seconds and I had to actually contemplate the meaning of my life. All right, I mean, that, that's a first world problem. Or, or, or what about this one? The repairman said, I'll be there between noon and midnight. Right, you ever experienced that? And so, uh, yeah, can you be available then? So basically, if it starts with my car, my pool, or my airline tickets, that is a first world problem. That's what it is. And so last week, we started a new series called Be Rich. And basically, we're talking about what does it mean to actually live into the heart of generosity and blessing that God has for us in our lives? Uh, what does it mean to actually be rich? And so what we shared last week was that if you make $32,000 a year of income, you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the entire world. All right, that's the first time I've ever gotten any clapping. Usually, like, I keep waiting for somebody just to stand up and be like, praise God, I'm rich. I had no idea. Thank God. We've shared that so many times, that statistic over the years. And the reason nobody stands up and cheers is because we don't feel like we're rich, right? Because, and the reason is because we're making upward comparisons rather than downward comparisons. We compare ourselves up to the 1% or the 0.5% of people above us instead of comparing ourselves to the 99% of people below us. And so what we said is that the problem is uh, that we don't know how to be rich. Lots of people are talking about how to get rich, but what does it mean to actually be rich? What does that mean? Having money doesn't make you good at being rich any more than having kids makes you good at parenting. The two are, are mutually exclusive. Just because you're good at one doesn't mean you're good at the other one. And so uh, last week we began with what's gonna become kind of our anchor scripture for this series. And meaning that basically we're gonna come back to the scripture again and again and again. It's gonna be our jumping off point for every message in this series. And so I'd love to um, read it to you again today as we start. This is 1 Timothy chapter six. The writer Paul is speaking uh, to Timothy who is the pastor of the church in Ephesus, uh, an affluent community. He says this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So what we said last week is that being rich is all about seeing your wealth through the lens of eternity and stepping into this life of generosity and of, and of blessing that God has for us. You, you can't be generous with something that you are also putting your hope in, right? That's impossible. You can't, you literally can't do it. 
you can only be generous with what you've given over to God and you've entrusted him with. And so that's kind of the idea behind this series and where we've gone. And so what I wanna do today is I want to talk about the biggest truth about generosity that moves the heart of God that we don't understand. I'm serious, I, I think we just don't get this. We don't understand it. This is the number one biggest truth about generosity, about the heart of God and what moves the heart of God when it comes to generosity that, that we just don't get. And so to illustrate this idea, where we're gonna go is we're gonna go to the gospels to Mark chapter 12. Uh, if you got your Bible, you can turn there or it's gonna be on the screen behind me. And so to set the stage a little bit, Jesus is with his disciples and they are at the temple in Jerusalem. And for a Jewish person, the temple was kind of the center of religious life, but it was also kind of the center of the community in every way. And so it begins this way. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. So if we could pause there for a second to describe where, where he is, they're in the temple in what's, what was called the, the court of the women. And in the court of the women, there was uh, the treasury. And so if you could picture where Jesus and his disciples are sitting across from, picture against the wall, there are 13 chests. And they basically are like trumpet-shaped chests, meaning there's like an opening at the top, and then it kind of opens up into this larger kind of bowl or gathering uh, point. And so that's how they would take up the offering for the temple in that day. It would be these 13 different chests. They didn't pass an offering bucket like we do today. They literally had a place where people would walk by, and on each one of these chests, there was an inscription and, and that inscription described what each one of those chests were collecting uh, money for, what they were offering, collecting offering money for. So one of them was for wood, we know. So there were sacrifices, and so they, they had to have wood to burn um, to be able to offer sacrifices on the altar. Uh, another one of them was uh, money for salt. Uh, the Old Testament talks about how every offering had to be sprinkled with salt. So that's a lot of salt that it gets expensive after a while. And so um, there was a chest for that. There was another chest just for incense for money, uh, for incense and other necessities and on and on and on. And that's basically how they, they supported the temple and kept the upkeep of it. So that's where Jesus is. And they sit down across from that and they watch as people come by to put their offerings. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't do that today? Like sits there and like watches as the offering baskets go by. I mean, he, he's, that's what he's doing though. And so they're sitting there and the story continues on. It says, and they watch the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And Jesus calling his disciples to him. So he recognizes this is a teachable moment. So he calls his disciples to him. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. How is it that for Jesus, how is it that the rich people in this story put in less than this poor widow? How is that possible? The reason it's possible is because what moves the heart of God is not the amount that's given, not the sum that's given. What moves the heart of God is the percentage. What moves the heart of God is actually the percentage. And the reason for that is because it's all about the heart. It's all about what God wants for us with our hearts. If you're, if you're um, taking notes, you can write this statement down. Rich people give larger sums, but smaller percentages. 
that's actually been verified. There's been studies done on that. And statistically, the more a person's wealth increases, uh, th that maybe the sum or the amount of money that they give away generously uh, will go up, but the percentage, as a person gets wealthier and wealthier, the percentage they give gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Rich people give larger sums, but they tend to give smaller percentages. And so the principle that Jesus is trying to teach us here is this idea that it's about the percentage. It's not about equal gifts. That's not what God's after. He's not after trying to get us all to give the same amount. It's about equal sacrifice. Because what moves the heart of God is when our hearts are fully surrendered to him. That's what moves his heart. And so percentage giving begins to move us into that place. How do you stop the migration of your hope? Last, last week we talked about how do we stop the migration of our hope toward our wealth and toward our stuff? Uh, the way we do it, go ahead, is, is through percentage living and percentage giving. What moves the heart of God is percentage living and percentage giving. Now, why do I say percentage living and percentage giving? The reason I say that is because it is impossible to really commit yourself to percentage giving if you're not committing yourself to percentage living. You, you can't. Literally, but because basically, you know, you'll want to do it, but basically other things in your life will crowd out, you know, that, that act. So what you have to do is you have to pre-decide. You have to sit down and you actually have to pre-decide what you're going to live on so that you can actually commit percentage-wise to what you're going to give away. If you don't do that, if you don't pre-decide what you're gonna live on and make that decision percentage-wise, what'll happen is you'll have every intention. Your heart will be there. Every intention you have will be to increase the percentage that you give and to continue to be faithful in that. But what'll happen is life will crowd it out. You gotta be intentional with this if you're really gonna step into it. Now, what's gonna be true uh, for a lot of you, even a lot of you in this room, is when you sit down to pre-decide what percentage you're gonna live on, what percentage you're gonna give away, you're gonna find, you're gonna realize that there really isn't a whole lot of decisions for you to make because you've skewered yourself into so much debt that there really isn't much pre-deciding you can even do. Uh, just so you know, we intentionally planned this series in the month of February. And the reason we do that is because we've learned that uh, many people right now, February is kind of a, a financial crunch for a lot of people. Because what happens is Christmas comes and so we get the extra card and we sign up for the deal and we put more on the credit card and we, and we have an awesome Christmas and Christmas goes really, really well. And then it's about, you know, the end of January, beginning of February, that's where the bills start to come. And then we go into panic mode, Right. What have I done? How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna live with this new debt load we put on ourselves? And so if that's you, if you are in a place where your debt load is so high, just so you know, whenever the scriptures speak of debt, it always refers to it as slavery. The debt is a form of slavery. And so if you've maybe enslaved yourself into a place of debt and you wanna be financially free, I want you to hear this. We wanna help you. Let us help you with that as a church. Um, so there's something that, uh, that we do every single year, and it's actually a, a major part of, of our ministry and, and what we do. It's called Financial Peace University, and I'm going to speak about that in just a second. Um, but, if, but if you've gotten yourself into this place of debt, we actually can help you with that. So here's what I would like to call you to think about living. When it comes to percentage living and percentage giving, as a suggestion of, of a way to live, I want to suggest this. This is 101080 living. 
Now, we've talked about this like years ago, and I think it's literally been like four or five years anyway since we've brought this up and talked about this, this idea of living 10%, 10%, and 80%. Uh, percentage-wise with your living. This, by the way, comes from Dave Ramsey is where I think the first time I ever heard this. So to break this down, go ahead to that next slide. Here's what we're talking about. Uh, the first 10% is to God first. That first 10 is, is 10% to God first. Now this represents uh, the biblical concept of tithing. Okay, so maybe you've heard that phrase. The word tithe means a 10th or 10% is what the word means. So um, I put a, a definition. I always wanna say it this way because what I've discovered is a lot of people, even if you grew up in church, a lot of people think they know what tithing means and what it is, but they don't. They actually don't. A lot of us don't uh, understand what tithing is. And so to explain it, tithing is the discipline of returning to God the first 10%. Let me walk with you through that just for a second. First of all, it's a discipline. Why is that important? Because it means you keep doing it. It's not something you do once. People a lot of times will say, well, yeah, I tithed, like, like I did that one time or something. Tithing is a discipline. It's something you commit yourself to. It's a spiritual practice that aligns you with God's purposes. And so you keep doing it. You commit to it every time God brings uh, finances into your life, you immediately tithe. Uh, the second, it's, it's a discipline of returning to God. Why do we say that? Here's why. It's because the Bible never speaks of tithing as giving. Nowhere. Whenever you study the Bible, wherever it talks about this principle of tithing, it never says give a tithe to God. It always says return a tithe to God. Return. Why does it say that? Because God owns it all. It's all his. And so whenever we're tithing, what we're doing is we're recognizing we are just returning to God part of what he's given us. So it's returning to God. It's the first 10%. In fact, in the Bible, whenever uh, the tithe is talked about, it's actually called the first fruit. So it's called that because if I have a crop, um, I take literally the first fruits, the first 10% of the harvest, and I bring that to God, believing that, that through my faithfulness to that, God is going to allow me to harvest the other 90%. That's why it was called the first fruits. That's where the idea comes from. And now why that's important is because a lot of times people will say things like, well, you know, I, I got to the end of, I'd love to tithe, but you know, I got to the end of the month and there was nothing left over for me to tithe with. When other people say that, I say, no, no, you don't understand what tithing is then. That's not tithing, that's something else. Tithing is the first 10% of your income. You always have the first 10%, right? You never run out of the first 10%. And so it's a way of putting God first. It's a way of honoring him first. That's the idea behind tithing. Um, the second 10% of that equation goes to your future. Um, now I wanna be really, really clear. This is not a command in scripture to put 10% away in savings, but it is called wisdom throughout the Bible. So, so to explain that, um, we looked at last week, Luke chapter 12, we looked at a story, if you were here, you remember it, about a guy who tears down his barns and builds bigger barns, believing that if he just puts his hope in his wealth and he saves up enough for the future, he's gonna be all set. And, and so we talked about how that, you know, wealth can actually become an idol. And when we build up our retirement fund and we, just, and we put all our hope there, our hope migrates to that, and it actually can become an idol in our lives and keep us from living out the heart that God has for us. Okay, so saving and putting together a huge retirement fund is not really what God calls us to, but saving for your future is called wisdom. In the book of Proverbs, there are several verses that speak to, to saving and being wise with your money. So it's not a command. Tithing is a command in scripture. Saving 10% is not a command in scripture, but it's called wisdom. 
and just, just kind of an offside, a lot of people misunderstand uh, the book of Proverbs is not a, a list of commands from God like other, there are in other places in scripture. The book of Proverbs is a, is a collection of wisdom sayings. It's a collection of saying, this is wise living. This is what it means to live wisely. And so that's what it is. 10% is uh, not a command of scripture, but it's called wisdom. And then if you take uh, what's left, 80% is what you have left to live on. So that's a model for percentage living so that you can step into percentage giving. Now, again, some of you are looking at that right now and you immediately what's going on inside of you is like, I, I could not do that. There's no way I could do that. I couldn't make the payments. There's my, that would be just irresponsible if I tried to do that right now because I'm so skewered into a life of debt. And so here's what I wanna say. Um, we, every year uh, at Frontline, we do this thing called Financial Peace University. It's Dave Ramsey's material, and um, we teach a class on it every year. And every single year, actually, we've done it both last semester and this semester. Um, every single time we do it, we see people go through that class, and they get free financially. And they step into a whole new place in life where they can begin to say yes to the things that God wants them to say yes to. And it's just, an, it's amazing to see what's happened. And so I wanna let you know, Financial Peace University, that class um, starts today. It actually starts this, this, um, this day. And so Tim Roselle is, uh, has taught it many times here at Frontline. Tim was on our leadership team. Uh, he and his wife, Chris, both um, for many years. And Tim was our finance treasurer for, for our church. And so this is something that's joyful for him. He loves teaching this material. If you would like to get connected into that class, um, I would love to invite you to go to the Green Wall today. We're serious. Even if you can't make the class tonight for the first one, still go talk to him or send us an email, sign up online, whatever you need to do uh, to get in on that class but it, that class teaches you how to get on a plan to get out of debt and begin living financially free. And it's amazing what happens. Now, now here's the caveat with that. There is a cost to you. There is a cost to the materials to buy it. Um, now, last year, we actually had spontaneously a few different families in the church. We've seen so many families in the church go through Financial Peace University and get set free financially that we had a number of people. We didn't ask people to do this, but they came forward and just said, hey, this has changed our lives so much. We want a scholarship, a family to go through Financial Peace because it's, it's just changed our lives so much. And so we had a whole bunch of people do that. And so we had a bunch of scholarship people. So here's the deal. I expect that's probably gonna happen again this year. Um, so what we'll do, we're, if we do have some scholarships again this year, we're not going to completely pay everybody's way. And the reason is this, we've learned that if you put some money toward it, you care about it more and you're more committed to it. And actually Dave Ramsey says that and that's part of the deal. And so nobody's, there is a cost of materials, but if you feel like, man, I just can't afford the full cost of materials, um, we'll help you out. We'll scholarship that out. People in the church have given very generously because they wanna see that happen, okay? So that's Financial Peace University. And, and the last thing I wanna say about that before we, we move on from the 10, 10, 80 thing, is I wanna say this to you. Living this way actually can be fun. I know, I know you don't believe that. You're sitting there listening to this 10, 10, 80 stuff. You're going, that just sounds awful. Sounds like a burden. I'm telling you, when you actually, as a couple, as a family, you commit to living this way, it actually becomes fun. You go from like fighting with each other about money all the time. Well, how much do I get? How much can I spend here? Why are you on my case about it? And you get to where you have the same goals and you're really trying to live this way together and pursue this together. It becomes fun. It actually becomes life-giving. Uh, my wife, Carrie, and I, to give you an example, we go on a weekly date. Every Saturday morning, we go to Meijer to do our weekly grocery shopping. That's our weekly date. This is a white-hot romance, my friends. 
And, and the reason we go, I drive whenever we go and we, we grocery shop, sometimes it takes us two carts because we have four boys that eat an enormous amount of food. And um, we go and I drive because what Carrie wants to do on the drive home is she wants to sit there and pour over the receipt item by item and just brag about all the money she saved, right? Because she's so, we're so committed to this and we live it together and she works really hard. So the whole drive home, we'll be, we'll be driving home in the car and she's just like, look at this item. This was normally $3.74, but I had an M-Perks and I had a coupon and it was a BOGO. So I got seven of them for $2.74. And then she'll just like, she'll just like brag as she goes through them. I'm telling you, it's like foreplay for us. <laughs> it is awesome. And so I'm telling you, the point is, this can be fun. When you really step into this and when you really begin living this way, it's not a burden. It actually sets you free and it actually can be fun, especially as you begin to give and you begin to see the way that God can use you to impact the lives of others. Okay, so that's the first thing, 10, 10, 80 living percentage living. And then uh, the second uh, application of this is I want to invite you to think about stepping into a 90-day tithing challenge. For some of you, maybe this concept of tithing and what it is is brand new. And so on your seats, you're probably sitting on it if you haven't found it, or maybe, I don't know, it's a snow day, so maybe we didn't get enough set out. If you haven't gotten one, we'll make sure you get one um, before uh, we take off. But this uh, this seat card was sitting there and it just explains a little bit more about the 90 day tithing challenge and has a tear off part that we would love to, uh, for you to consider, you know, putting in the offering basket next week. Uh, but basically to give you some explanation of this, we've done this for the last several years in a row. And every year we see God just moving people's lives and moving our church through it. But what would it look like for you to step into for 90 days saying, God, I'm gonna step in and try tithing for 90 days and just see what happens. Just see what takes place in my life. If I just try this for 90 days. So maybe you've never, never tithed before. So for 90 days, say, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna commit to tithing for 90 days. If you already do tithe, maybe this is a season in your life for three months, for 90 days where you say, God, I'm gonna go to 11 with this one. I'm gonna take this a couple percentages more. And, um, and what would that look like for you to begin stepping into that and just saying, God, could I, could I see something happen in my life supernaturally as a result of just taking a faith step here with you. Uh, Andy Stanley talks about the way that most people give can be described with three S's. Three S givers, they, most people give spontaneously, sporadically, and sparingly, right? So like in the moment, oh, I feel like it, great, sporadically once in a while and sparingly. Don't give like that. If you give that way, you're missing an opportunity to be rich toward God. You're missing an opportunity to step into the heart that God has for you. And so instead, uh, Andy Stanley talks about three P givers. And this is the way to understand um, how to give. And this is priority, percentage, and progressive. Priority meaning you put God first. He's the first thing in your life. Percentage is you can you decide, pre-decide what percentage you're gonna live on, what percentage you're gonna give. And progressive means you keep, as God blesses you with more, as he continues to, to bring increase in wealth in your life. What do we say? People who, as their income increases, their percentage tends to go down. And, and so per, per, progressive means you continue to challenge yourself to go to the next level. I wanna read you, this is an email I got from someone. And by the way, every single time we've done these 90-day tithing challenges, I've gotten an email or two like this, sometimes several. Uh, but this is from somebody last year in 2017 who took the 90-day tithing challenge. 
He says this, I took it upon myself to increase my weekly tithing from 10% to 15%. This is a person who stepped forward like that. I made this change this past Sunday, which was February 19th. Yesterday, which was February 25th, my boss offered me a promotion that would include a raise and that raise more than covered uh, the commitment that this person had made. Now, now I share that with you because... um, Honestly, I think every, when I get those kind of emails, I think, man, I should share that. Like we should give glory to God. When stuff like that happens, we should share it in the church. And when God blesses someone financially in a way, uh, but I'll be honest with you, I, I kind of hesitate sometimes to share that stuff. I haven't shared it every time I've gotten one of those because I don't want you to get the impression that, oh, that's okay, that's how it works. Like I'll, I'll give and then God will bless me financially because that's not, that's not the right heart and that's not what God's after. And here's the truth, God may not do that for everyone. I believe God will bless, uh, bless us as we step into this in our lives, but God may not bless you financially if you step into this. But here's what I, I will tell you, and this is true for everybody. This is true for everybody who, who steps into these 90-day tithing challenges. What will happen is your heart will change. Over 90 days, you will experience a transformation in your heart. And you will experience God beginning to move in your life in a way where your wealth and your stuff has less and less a hold on you and you have less and less a hold on it. And you begin to step into this new life that he has for you. Um, This is uh, Henry Nouwen, great spiritual writer. He said this, every time I take a step in the direction of generosity, I know that I am moving from fear to love. The book of 1 John talks about how perfect love drives out our fear. How do we know we're moving from fear to love? We, we take steps in the area of generosity. I can't be generous with what I am simultaneously putting my hope in and fearful of losing. I have to step in and trust God if I'm gonna experience that. Now, um, so 90-day tithing challenge, 10, 10, 80 living. And now here, let me give you this caveat. Notice at no point in the sermon did I say, give your money to this church. And I, the reason I did not say give your money to this church if you decide to do this tithing challenge is not because I don't want you to give to this church. That'd be great. If you, I'd love that if you did. The reason I purposely didn't say it is because I think if I say that, it violates something of the heart of God. And so, so here's, here's what I'm gonna say to you. Um, I think giving happens best when it's your idea, when it's you engaging God and your relationship with him and you follow promptings of, of the Holy Spirit in your life to give as he calls you to give. I just think that connects us more with the heart of God. And so instead of saying, give your money to this church, I, I, here's what I'll do. I think you guys understand, you know, as a church, we are able to do what we're able to do because of the giving of the congregation. I think you know that. So I'm, just, I'm gonna trust your relationship with God And I'm gonna trust you to listen to the Holy Spirit and his promptings in your life to give as he directs you to give. And I I think that's just a better way to, um, I think that's just a better way to think about how we we begin to to give and how we step into this. Um, So instead of saying, give your money to this church, here's what I'll do instead. I'm gonna ask you a question. And I'd like you just to to think about this as you ponder what you need to do over the next uh, season here. I want you to ask yourself the question, what could happen if all of us did decide to give to this church? What could happen in our midst at Frontline if we all did decide to give to this church? I'm going to tell you a truth. We've, we, I don't know if we've ever shared this before as it relates to giving, um, but Frontline is an 80-20 church. And what I mean by that is 20% of the giving 
uh, 20% of the people rather give 80% of what comes in from the giving. That is true of us as a church. So I just wanna ask what would happen if we all as a church began to give? Uh, You may not realize it, but we are doing more in our community right now than we ever have in the history of our church. Um, Through the Essential Store, through our missions partnerships, uh, through even just our partnership with the storehouse of community resources that uh, is housed in this side of our, of our building and our, our relationship with them. Uh, we are, God is blessing and we're, we're able to do more than we've ever been doing in the history of our church. Uh, but we wanna do more. We want, there's more we wish we could do. We're doing a lot more on Sundays than we've ever done in the history of our church with two campuses and three services. We're doing more on Sundays, but we wish we could do more. We would love to be able to put our services online, like in a video format, so people could actually watch them. I mean, especially think about even like days like today, uh, the, the ability that would give us to reach more and more people. Um, but again, something would have to change. Something would have to, have to, have to shift for that to happen. Um, our kids and our students' ministries, I mean, we could just go so much further. And then the other thing you need to know is over the next couple of years here at Frontline, and I say this not, again, this is not out of guilt or, or any of that. It's because I think you should know. I think I should be honest about this. And if I were in your seat coming to this church, I would wanna know this. But we have a couple of significant upgrade uh, needs in the next couple of years coming. You know, if you've been here for a while, that a couple of years ago, our parking lot was falling apart. And so God moved and through the giving of the congregation, we were able to um, re, you know, repair the parking lot and upgrade the outside of the building that was crumbling. And so it's uh, kind of got a new face on it. Um, but the next big thing is our roof. We are, we are going to need a new roof. Uh, this roof was put on by Meyer in the early 90s. And so it is at the end of its lifespan and then some. And so we are looking at in the next couple of years, putting a new roof on. And the same is true of our sound system. We did not spend top dollar on this sound system when we moved in. And uh, it is over a decade old and it is at the end of its lifespan, you know, week after week, event after event uh, that we've used. And so already we're having to, to spend money on that. And so the question I wanna ask you is what would happen if we all decided to, get, to take a step forward and God could move through that? Last thing I'll say with that, frontline leadership seeks God in the putting together of our budget every year. And then we stick to our budget. And so uh, I just wanna make this available. Blake and I were talking this past week. Blake's our executive pastor. And if anybody has any questions or would like more information about when you give, like where does money go any more than what we've provided with the bulletin or behind the lines, um, which is our core group gathering. If you'd like more information, please call the office, call Blake. And Blake and the finance team have, been, have said, just if anybody wants to talk about that, we wanna be as transparent as possible. We want you to understand how that works and where it goes. And the reason for that is we don't want anybody to say, hey, I'm not gonna give to, to Frontline because I don't know something about that or there's some suspicion. Because I, I feel like that would violate, again, the heart and, and the reasons why we do this. The reasons why we do this is truly, we believe God has something for you. And so give however God's called you to give. My, my point is just, Take the journey and allow God to begin to change your heart and move in your heart. And you're gonna see things happen in your life that you just wouldn't, you don't see any other way until you begin to engage this and how your wealth has a hold on you. So I'm gonna gonna close with this. The band's gonna come back up and we're gonna sing one more song, but I wanna tell you about a family in our church as that's happening. Um, There's a family who's been a part of Frontline for years and years. And years ago, they actually probably more than a decade ago, they took Financial Peace University and they began to get financially free and they got to a place in their lives where they were able to give and bless others. 
and um, just been a faithful family for many, many years here at the church. I, I can't remember if it was this past year or the year before when we did one of these 90-day tithing challenges. This family felt prompted by God in their relationship. They prayed with it about it. And as a couple, uh, they decided that for this season of their lives, uh, they were gonna do a reverse tithe, what they called a reverse tithe. When they, and when they told me about this later, because I was asking about it, and for them, a reverse tithe literally meant they decided for a season of life to live on 10% of their income and to give 90% of their income away. Wow. I mean, you can't just do that haphazardly. You have to, you have to be living a certain way and being intentional with percentage living and percentage giving for a season of time before you could even be in a place or a position to do something like that. But they did it. For a season of life, they, they gave 90% of their income and they lived on 10%. Now, let me be really clear. This, these are not millionaires, okay? It's not who we're talking about. These are, this is an average working class couple. But the, the inspiration this couple has been to me, I, I wanted to tell you about them, even though if I told you their names, it would be such a violation of our relationship. They would be so angry at me. Uh, because they are the kinds of people where there's been a bunch of people at Frontline who have been blessed by them and they just get so much joy. Every time they're able to bless and give to a family, they get so much out of it. And those families don't even know. Like people don't even know who it was that gave. And because this family has just lived this out, our family uh, has been blessed by them. The year I was diagnosed with cancer, they stepped in in some ways that were just so vital for us during that season. They've been an inspiration to me of how they live their lives. They've been an inspiration to others. And they have given faithfully to this church, to Frontline, and have made a lot of things happen over the years. Again, this is an average working class couple, not millionaires. Here's why I tell you that. I think, this is my suspicion, a lot of times when we have these kinds of discussions, I think what happens in a lot of people's heads, and maybe this is happening in your head, you go, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's pie in the sky. Someday, you know, maybe someday I might be able to do that, but that's, that's kind of out of my reach. And so we kind of dismiss it. And so the reason I tell you that is because that's a family right here in our church that did that. That kind of life is possible. That kind of disciplined living, that kind of generosity, that kind of blessing is possible. Maybe it's not possible for you today. Maybe you couldn't do something like that today. But I'm telling you, if you step into this, if you begin to live the way God's called you to live, it can happen. That can happen for you. And God has more than taken care of them and increased and blessed them over the years as they, they've continued to do that. And I know he can do that for us too. So with that being said, I'd love for you uh, to stand. We're gonna stand and we're gonna go out of this place singing today. And uh, after we sing, I'll come up and close us. But I'd love for you to take that seat card with you and just begin to pray, do exactly what we've talked about and just listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and just ask God in these next 90 days, what are you calling me to do? What are you calling me to live into? And uh, maybe you've been a tither all your life and maybe it's, it's time for me to take a step even beyond what, what I've been doing. Maybe it's, I need to start this. I need to just begin it. I'm not gonna sit and wait until everything's perfect in my life to do it. I just need to step into it and trust God with that. So let's just, just have a moment. We're just gonna pray. God, we just step into that right now. We just begin to take a step out of fear and in toward love, toward generosity. Um, Father, I pray that you would just begin to speak to each one of us exactly what it is you want us to do and where you want us to begin to live into this. Um, God, it's not about, it's not about um, us. It's not about uh, you know, how, how nice uh, things we can own or what we can live into. God, it's about 
our hearts being transformed and changed and more and more into your image. Thank you, God, that you have a life for us that we can't even experience until our wealth loses its grip on us and we lose our grip on it. It's impossible, God, we just confess to you this morning, it's impossible for us to be generous with something that we are simultaneously putting our hope in and therefore it has our hearts instead of you. So God, we just recognize that everything we have comes from you. And so God, put our, help us to put our faith back in you. Help us to put our faith in what you wanna do in our lives that's greater than what we could ever do or accomplish on our own. And would you begin to move in this season? Would you begin to move in this time in our lives? And uh, God, we'll give you all the glory for all that you do. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.